0: Hey guys, it's great to see you. Good morning. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. And this is Tegan Carlson. I'll tell you a little bit more about Lisa in a few minutes. Tegan was the first baby that was born in our church. <laughs> baby no longer. And he will be 10 in October, just a, just a few weeks. And... Um, his family uh, has been uh, with us since the beginning. His mom and dad have, have served in, in every way possible. And I just wanted, uh, Tegan, this is your church. This is a big bunch of crazy people, you know. And they made promises over you as a baby that they would create a community of love and forgiveness for you to grow up in. So this is your church. This is a bunch of people here's church and a bunch of people that don't even know it yet. And I asked Tegan uh, if he would read our scripture for us this morning. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang. We couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. So those who planted their crops in tears will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home with armloads of blessings. Amen. Thanks, <laughs> so this is what ten years looks like. What do you think? Yeah, you're good, Tegan. Did yeah, you <laughs> So good. Oh my goodness. In the summer of 2007, my wife Rachel and I flew to Monterey, Mexico because we believed that God had called us to be missionaries. And we had simply told God that we would go wherever God wanted us to go. And so we found ourselves, this is a picture of us in the city square in 2007 (laughs) in Monterey. And Rachel looks the same and I feel like I look bad both (laughs) like before and after, Um, but yeah, that's, that's real life. And, and we had gone there with a dream in our hearts. Uh, We were staying with another family that were missionaries. Uh, In fact, they had moved their little boy out of his bedroom and we were sleeping in his, his bunk beds. Rachel was up top and at night we would talk and we would pray and then we would cry. That's what I remember. We would talk, and we would pray, and we would cry. And our crying sounded something like this. It was like, God, we want to go wherever you want us to go. We want to do whatever you want us to. We have no idea what you could do with us in this city. We're totally unqualified, but we literally wept over the city with this dream about what Jesus could do there. We came back, we told our parents we were taking their grandbabies to Monterey, Mexico. We told the church that I had served for eight years that this is what we felt like God was called, has called us to do. And many of you have heard this story, but every door that needed to be open or so it seemed for us to go slammed shut. And we found ourselves in this weird sort of confused place. Maybe you've been there spiritually before. Like, I thought God was calling me to this and it doesn't seem like it's this. Soon after that last no, I got on a plane. I flew to Kansas City for a conference of of United Methodist pastors, which is as bad as it sounds. And (laughs) when I got there, uh, several people from the Tennessee area were, were talking to me. They said, hey, Jacob, have you heard about the new church that's being started in Mount Juliet? And I'm like, no, that's my hometown. I had had a dream since I was in seminary to start a church in my hometown. They said, yeah, it's gonna be in this area, a new area called Providence, And over dinner one night, they asked me, they said, Jacob, would you pray about considering to be the pastor to go to Mount Juliet and start the church in Providence? The dream of my heart, but I was really confused. And so the next morning, uh, I was supposed to be going to church. I'd rented a minivan. That's all they had left over for that week. And I'm driving a minivan. I have a minivan now. I'm on my second minivan now. I've already had a minivan, got rid of a minivan and chosen another minivan. And my my therapist says, it's good to just talk about it out in the open, just lay it out there. It's a, healing, it's a healing thing. But I would never done that, and I'm driving the rental, rented minivan. I was supposed to be going to a church, but I had all this stirring in my heart, this, this dream, this confusion, and I pulled the minivan over, and I, I walked out into a little cornfield in Gardner, Kansas, is where I found myself. And I said, God, why in the world did you do all this missionary stuff in my heart? We went to Monterey, Mexico, and we had this dream. Why, why did you do all this in my heart. And now you may be offering this thing that I've hoped for for so long to plant a church in Mount Juliet. And this is what I felt God said to me in the cornfield. I felt like God said to me, it's because I wanted you to have that heart for your hometown. I wanted you to weep over that city. I wanted you to walk the streets and dream about what Jesus could do there. I wanted you to lay awake at night and, and think there could be something more for these people. And if I'm honest with you, up until that point in my life at 27, I was on the road to becoming a, a fairly average religious professional and God did something in my heart and I'll never forget it. And so I came home and I said yes to this opportunity. And the next thing you know, Rachel and I had moved to Mount Juliet <laughs> to start this church that had no name, uh, no place to meet and oh yeah, no people. And in September, this weekend in September of 2008, we had our first worship service uh, that continued weekly worship at Stoner Creek Elementary School. This is a picture of our first uh, worship service. And God was wonderful to us. That's what I know. God was wonderful to us every step of the way. Like every, every worship service, every location, every growth point, every mistake that your pastor made, every misstep by leadership, every baptism, every family that came that was new that had never heard about Jesus, every funeral, every wedding, God has been wonderful to us. It's as if Psalm 126, that's why we've read it multiple times this morning, it just seems uh, like it could be for us this morning. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true. That's how I felt this morning as I, as I stood in worship. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now this is the spot In the sermon that I've been thinking about, this is the spot where I thought that I would then begin to list for you all of the wonderful things that God has done. Wouldn't you love to hear a list? I had all these things I wanted to tell you about. I wanted to tell you that we've had 671 people who've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and the number will be bigger after this morning. And I was gonna tell you how this is a church home for for thousands of people and hundreds of people who have never known Christ. And I was gonna tell you about the story of this land and this building. It's crazy, you wouldn't believe it. This was the point where I was going to thank you. I was going to thank you for for sacrificing so much, for giving your time and your energy and your financial resources and I will do that. I will say thank you as one of your pastors, thank you for believing in this dream. I mean, this is the spot. This is the place. Uh I've been doing this for 10 years now. This is the place for a good pastors bragging session. And y'all would allow me that, right? Right, on the 10-year anniversary, a guy who looked like that in 2007 and now looks like this. Like, give him his five minutes, you know? Give him, just let him do it. But I'm not going to do it. Because 10 years ago, we met in the Quality Inn. There were 20 of us. And we were sitting around in a circle. And I don't know why I asked this question, but I asked him, I said, I said, what would be your dream in 10 years? And a woman stood up and she said, here's my dream. She said, my dream is that in 10 years, when we look back, we would have to say, God did it. And that has been a a promise that we made and we've tried and we failed, but we've tried every step of the way to say God has been wonderful to us. But I don't know if you saw the scripture <laughs> after saying it was like a dream, it was too good to be true. God was wonderful to us. Did you notice what it said next? It says, And now, God, do it again. <laughs> Ten years we've been saying, God did it, God did it. And today we're, we're going to say, And now, God, do it again. Would you say that with me? And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought stricken lives. It's no accident, it's raining today. I had wanted to have this celebration at Mundy Park, which is where we had our first worship service. And I am so glad that everyone talked me out of that. <laughs> it would have been a different kind of rain. On So those who planted their crops in tears will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing. With armloads of blessing, and now God, do it again. But listen to the request of the people. It's not a request for God to build us another building. It's saying the people who had been saying, these were God's exiles who had come back into God's holy place. They, they were saying, us, the ones you've been wonderful to, our lives are drought stricken. We need you to rain on us. We are planting seeds of tears. How many of you this morning in your life are, are planting seeds of tears? Like if I'm planting anything, they're coming from a, a heaviness, a burden. And our church, uh, you know, we're here to celebrate, no mistake, you know, we have a DJ, uh, we've got a t-shirt for you, we've got ice cream, like that's just, that's just the way we roll. But today is not just God did it, it's God do it again because our church, if you're new, new with us, our church is for people with drought-stricken lives. And our church is for people who are currently planting seeds of tears. And our church is for those with heavy hearts. Our church is for people who feel disconnected from God and the church. And so that may be helpful to you if you're new here. Some things we do may be perplexing. And I would want you to know our church really isn't here to, like, meet the needs of Christian people. Our church has a much more desperate, urgent aim. And it's to see people with drought-stricken lives be rained on by Jesus. Just be covered over. And so we don't have a ton of programming. It's not about all those things. It's just about people who are in desperate need of God, who are barely hanging on, who are planting into the soils of their life tears from their drought-stricken existence, and a God who shows up right there. And so we we want the community, we want the world to know that there's hope. Like we want Mount Juliet to know and Gladeville and Hermitage and Lebanon. We have folks that come every week from Antioch and Murfreesboro and Smyrna and Franklin and Hendersonville. We got folks that come from Hartsville. What's up, Hartsville? I mean, we got them all, right? There's some bro that comes from Las Casas. I've seen it on the, on the address list. We have people every week in St. Louis and Connecticut and California who join us online. Pretty soon, we'll be live streaming our services, getting me one step closer to being a TV preacher. (laughs) Which is, uh, which breaks my marriage vow with Rachel. She said, I will marry you as a pastor. You can never be on TV. So I'm just gonna be all over the world on the internet. (laughs) We want those places to know there's hope. We want Nicaragua in clinton oklahoma and haiti to know it and it's urgent guys it's urgent god did it but god do it again i've shared with you before that there's been a movement in our city amongst the pastors and the churches i'm a mount juliet native i've been here my whole life and i've never seen or heard of anything like this happening uh, where the churches and the pastors come together across denominational lines it started for us around the issue uh, of race in our country where we wanted to say, we want Mount Juliet to be a light, a place that stands up against the evil of racism. And so black churches, black pastors, and white churches and white pastors began meeting together and praying together. But then we found it was about so much more than that. We began a dream of seeing our city transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we would put down our petty disagreements and the things that have kept us in our walls for so long and just joined together and sought God's face and prayed for the drought-stricken lives. And we've hosted those events here in this room where pastors have been on their Aces praying for the community. And what has happened in that is God has broken our hearts for the people who live around us. Pastors crying together, saying, Oh my goodness. And then what we found is that our city leaders and our politicians and, and the folks who serve our, our city and our county were right there with us. And we've had meetings alongside of them, all sitting in the same room together, saying, We have this same dream for our city. And so I wanted to share with you this morning, not a list of things that we've done over the last 10 years, but a dream that is growing in the hearts of Jesus' people in this community for the next 10 years. The first thing that we've heard, we've done surveys of teachers and all the the, uh, help agencies and city leaders, and these are the things that bubbled up. This is what a missionary would hear if they went to a new place. And we have heard over and over again that people in Wilson County are hungry. Can you believe that? You hear me talk about it all the time, but I'm just telling you, it's because we hear it over and over and over. Teachers saying that their students come to school hungry. Senior adults that are living in their homes and they're hungry. And so our vision, I hope you love this, is we wanna see everyone fed. We're gonna begin a vision for the next 10 years that's to see everyone fed in our community. In fact, pastors are gonna be sharing this in their churches over the next year. We're the first church that's getting to share this vision. And what I'm saying is our vision for the next 10 years is not about Providence Church. It ain't about that. It's about seeing the gospel move through the neighborhoods and people will not be able to hear the gospel if their tummies are rumbling. I'm just telling you, that's the way it works. And so we want to see everyone fed, and you know of the, some of the things that are, that are going on with that. We'll continue to do that. We also have heard over and over again that in our community, there are many, many people living in a place of substance abuse and addiction, most notably opioid use and addiction. Many, many deaths in our community are due uh, to opioid use. And so we have been given, we think, a God-sized vision that maybe in 10 years we could stand and say, and now everyone is free. Everyone's free from addiction. On Tuesday night here at Providence we'll be starting a, a group on our care night, and as you leave there are a list of all the things going on at Care Night. There's something for everybody. But on Tuesday nights we'll be starting for our community a group called Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. And I know in this room this morning there are parents of addicted children, and you have been sowing seeds of tears, and, and we want to tell you you're not alone. And that we believe God is gonna do something in our community. In November, Providence Church will be hosting a um, county-wide meeting, a town hall meeting called Drug-Free Wilco. That's the the cool name for Wilson County, Drug-Free Wilco. And what we're hoping for is hundreds of people to come where we can begin to help people know how to have conversations with people in their families who are addicted and help give them the resources uh, to give them out. A community-wide movement to say, we see this God We see what you're weeping over. The other thing that we've heard from our community, this is most from the first responders and our teachers, is that our community is filled with child abuse, domestic violence, and even trafficking. I was in a meeting uh, in July uh, that was not too far from here, ten minutes from here, of an organization that is trying to eradicate trafficking in Middle Tennessee. They'd already had over 150 young girls come through their doors that year in seven months. Those are the ones they got off the streets. Their average age is 13. I know you're like, why are we talking about this on our anniversary? And the reason is, guys, is God has been telling me we can't just sit up here on this hill and celebrate a growing church when our neighbors are dying. And so we want to see everyone safe. We've learned that there are over 170 foster children in Wilson County that are waiting for placement, which means they're going to be placed somewhere outside of our county, which means these children are going to have another instance of being uprooted and going to a different place. And we stood out in that lobby at one of our pastor's meetings, and we said, and guys, this is long term. This is not tomorrow, but I want you to hear the dream. And we said, you know, 30 or 40 pastors, and we just said, by golly, Right? Because that's how pastors talk. We're like, by golly, when we're in the church building, by golly. Shouldn't all of us be able to raise up 170 families so no kid has to go somewhere else? Shouldn't they come into our houses? And guys, I'm scared to say it because my wife, when we walk out, she's going to say it's for us. I got a lot of kids already. The fourth thing is we want to see everyone ready, and this has to do with education. We want to see every 18-year-old that graduates from high school, and we want to see them all graduate from high school, leave our county ready, ready for the world, ready to serve, ready to know that another adult through that time in their life has has been in with them and mentored them and, and plugged in with them. I met with a couple of their pastors here this week with an organization in our community that puts mentors with children who are being abused. But uh, on this one, Everyone Ready, we're looking to make strategic partnerships with every school in the county uh, so that every school could have a church that they could pick up the phone when they had any need and say, this is what's going on, we know you're going to be there to help us. Did you know that prison locations and sizes are based upon how many children are at the third grade reading level at the appropriate age in a community? That's how important the schools are. That's how important you teachers are. Who are, who, are, who are doing this. And, and we're hearing from them, yeah, our kids are coming to the TN ready test and they're not ready for the test because they haven't had any breakfast. And they're not ready for the test because their parents were passed out in the living room all night long, right? And God has just been breaking my heart again 10 years in. I got too comfortable, Tom. They gave me an office. And I'm just telling you, I don't wanna be the church where people are like, yeah, go to Providence Church, you'll get fed there. Like, I hope you get fed here. Like, I hope you hear the word here and you get fed. But I wanna be the church where people say, Providence Church is feeding the people. Yeah. (laughs) I've never had y'all clap. Let's just keep that up. Let's keep that up. Some of y'all will remember um, last year, we heard from the principal at Rutland Elementary, that there are children who come to school and they don't have anything to eat. They don't have money for lunch money. Uh, They don't have a lunch pack. And there is a free and reduced lunch program, but there are kids that slip through the cracks. There are kids who something happens in their family before the paperwork's filled out or the parents never fill the paperwork out. And so she was telling me, she said, what we can do is we can give them a soy butter sandwich one day and then the next day we can't do anything. I told you guys that and you said, no way, right? Right? And so we helped set up a fund that's sort of a discretionary fund for the principal. They call it the cafeteria fund. It makes sure no kid comes to school and is hungry. But many of you guys told me this. And so I'm telling you this because you told me to. I'm blaming you. He said, that's not good enough. And so on Wednesday, Mark and Jeff and I went into the Wilson County school system. We sat in a meeting with principals from every school in Wilson County. Because the director of schools had said the door's wide open. She's, she's in on it. She's in on everything I'm telling you about. And we were able to uh, present a check that would set up a fund in all 21 Wilson County schools. (laughs) Yeah. And and all six Lebanon City schools. So, yeah. And so now there's a fund that the principals can use to feed hungry kids that are, that are coming in. And of course, the next question is, what happens when that runs out? And I'm just believing that God's going to do it again, that God's going to fill it up again. Because that's what I've seen here. We have a benevolence fund that Brian Abson was our chair of our finance committee. When we started, we set up a fund that, that we would be a place where people in our community were in need could come. And they said, this is like in our financial something, and it was like, we will fund that first every quarter. And for 10 years, I've seen that fund go empty and filled, empty and filled, empty and filled. And so I'm believing that God will do that again. We're also working to have a church with every school. So when that fund runs out, I'm gonna call some other church and say, hey, we need you to step in. And they're going to, because God's moving in our city. So in 10 years, I hope people, I hope we are saying God did it. Because we want the people who live in our neighborhoods to know that there is hope. Lisa, who was on the video, we met Lisa because the guidance counselor at Rutland Elementary called us about a need in her family. And you guys didn't just go and meet the need. You brought her to church. I'm not, I'm not suggesting this morning we become a social service agency, if you've heard that, if, if that's something you've heard me say. I'm saying that our community needs Jesus, plain and simple. And Lisa came with her family on Christmas Eve The first time she'd been in church and she said, I felt something, Jacob. I said, what was it? She said, I felt at home. And she came back and she came back and she came back. And last month, she and her eight-year-old daughter, Sienna, gave their lives to Christ and were baptized. So I got nothing flashy for you this morning, 10-year anniversary. It's the same thing. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And we want to be a church that is joining with the churches of Jesus of Christ to go out and tell people with drought-stricken lives that there's hope. (laughs) Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for sending Jesus who came into our world, who walked our streets and cried over the things that the people were going through, over disease and over hunger, over those who couldn't walk and those who couldn't see. And Jesus came and and gave it all on the cross for our sins and was resurrected. And so we gather together today as Jesus Church, praying God that 10 years from now, we would have to look back and say, God did it. As we come to communion, let this bread and juice be for us, the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. In Jesus' name, amen.